Welcome to the Central Community Church Podcast. We exist to be authentic followers of Jesus, leading others to follow Him by loving God, loving people, and serving our world. Well, good morning. It's a privilege uh, for me to be able to open God's Word with you and, uh, and to share with you what I believe that he's been uh, saying to me as I've been in his word this past week or two. So if you could turn in your Bible, please, to John chapter 7. We're uh, in the, a series in the Gospel of John, which has uh, been just a fantastic... Uh, have, have you been enjoying it? <laughs> Wonderful series. Um, as John paints time and time again such a clear picture of who Jesus is. He had such a close, intimate relationship with, uh, with Jesus, his Savior. And from that, he shares from his heart uh, who Jesus is and paints such a beautiful picture. So we're in John 7, uh, verses 32 to 52. And uh, pay close attention as we get to verses 37 through 39, which is where we're going to spend the most of our time this morning. So let's read uh, together. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. um, And uh, if you're here this morning, maybe first time and you don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible, we have one for you at the Welcome Center that you can take and keep. And uh, we want you to be in the Word, so please take one of those. John 7, 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Let's just stop for a moment because that doesn't make sense unless you know what comes before. And as we'll see in this passage, um, Jesus uh, divides people. Sometimes, he, uh, sometimes people put their faith and their trust in him. Other times they don't believe. But th- there was all these whisperings going on. Could this be uh, the one that we were waiting for? The deliverer of our people? The one who would come and set his people free? The Messiah? The prophet? Could this be? And, and there's all these whisperings and the, the rumblings and the, the Pharisees and the rulers and the teachers of the law, they were disturbed by this because the, their following was threatened, right? And so here we are. Uh, then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him because the people were whispering and rumbling about, could this be the Christ? Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time, and then, I'm gonna, then I will go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, what, where does this man intend to go that we can't find him? Like, is this a game of uh, hide and seek with, with Jesus? What's going on here? Will he go where our people live, scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you'll look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? 
Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he's deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. So as I said, uh, in, the, in our series in the Gospel of John, he's been painting such a wonderful picture, time and time again, a clear picture of who Jesus is. And in particular, John wants the reader to unmistakably and undeniably know that Jesus is not just someone who is sent from God as a great prophet or a or a good teacher, or an upstanding moral person, or something like that, but that Jesus is very God, who came from heaven, clothed in human flesh, who took on human flesh, to dwell among the humanity that he created, in order to not only tell us, but to show us how it is that we might have eternal life, how we might have that personal relationship with him that his disciple John had. That relationship which is found with God, which is found in him and him alone. And so time and time again, we have, we've seen this in, this in this gospel, and today is no different. In our text, we have in clear view, again, who Jesus is, his deity. The fact that he didn't just come from God, but he was God, is God. It was a revelation of very God himself who came to us. We also, we have a very clear picture of the deity of Christ and of the Trinity. One God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm with you um, only for a short time, and then I will go to the one who sent me. He's talking about God the Father, who sent Jesus as a revelation of himself, Jesus being very God, who is revealed from the Father. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus was saying, that's where I came from. Yeah, I am the Christ. I am one with the Father. He goes on to talk about that in John. We see, um, so we see in clear view the teaching of the Trinity, the Father, the Son. He said, where I come from, you will look for me, but you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Jesus is saying that he is going to go back to the Father. Again, a clear picture of his deity. Scripture teaches that the Son is right now, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is in heaven, the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, even at this very moment. And of course, here we have a clear teaching about the Spirit, which is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. The Spirit who is given to all who believe in Jesus, was given after Jesus' glorification. That means 
after Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again. His glorification was when he, was, uh, when he ascended into heaven and returned to the place where he came from. At that point, he would pour out his Holy Spirit, which we read about in Acts chapter 2. Now, based on Jesus' deity, the fact that he is clearly God, he came from heaven, he returned to heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Based on that, Jesus this morning gives an invitation. Based on that authority, and that authority alone as very God, on the last and greatest day of the feast, he stood, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And of course, based on Jesus' invitation, any invitation for that matter, a decision, a response is required. Verses 38 to 39. Whoever believes in me, there's the response, as scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit. This is a re- an invitation and a response that is that we've seen from the very beginning of this gospel. John 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God, spiritually renewed. So today, Jesus is giving you, he's giving me an invitation. He's giving us an invitation. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He's giving us an opportunity to respond to his invitation to come to him and drink and to believe in him so that our thirst can be be quenched and that streams of living water, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives can flow from within us. The invitation this morning is for us. It's for you. It's also for me today. And so at the end of this service, I am actually going to invite people to respond because Jesus is inviting us and he expects a response. I felt like God saying to me, why on earth would you preach this message? (laughs) And and, and Jesus is asking, he's inviting and he's asking for a response and you wouldn't give that to the people this morning that you're preaching to. And so these communication and connecting cards, they're good uh, for a way, as Pastor Gary said, for us to get to know you, to help you connect. But, but I think they're wonderful for helping people to connect to Christ through the Spirit of God. And so I'm going to ask for several different kinds of responses today based on what God is saying to you. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to invite you to respond using this connecting card. I'll talk about it as I go through the message this morning. Scripture says, That if you hear his voice, we should not harden our hearts, but that we should respond. So this morning, if you're hearing his voice, if you're hearing the voice of Jesus through his Holy Spirit today, don't harden your heart. Respond to what he's asking you. And I'm going to give you uh, an opportunity to do that. The basis of the invitation that Jesus gives this morning is thirst. It's thirst. And this is critical, friends. It's critical. 
You see, a person can live, you and I can live, depending, of course, on uh, the condition of our health and our age. We can live for weeks without food. Of course, again, it depends on your health and your age, but we can live for weeks without food, two, three, up to six, seven weeks without eating anything. But it's only a matter of days, not weeks, that you, that I, can survive without water. The basis of this invitation is on our thirst. This is critical. So you put that physical reality into spiritual context or perspective. And Jesus said in his word that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds by the mouth of God. That is true. But if water, and we'll see this more and more today, if water symbolizes the person and the work of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives, we cannot survive long, not at all really, without the Spirit. This morning I'm going to show you why. This past weekend, um, we had um, a, a wonderful time as a conference of, of churches that Central belongs to. We had a wonderful time as we held a annual uh, provincial convention and also pastor and spouses retreat, which are always linked together. And I had a full day of meetings just prior to convention, so it was a very full weekend. But the churches came together, the pastors came together. Our conference leadership invited Dr. Luis Palau, that that, uh, evangelist from Argentina, uh, who now lives in Oregon, uh, who's uh, visited 80 countries of the world preaching um, the good news of Jesus. They they invited him, and they gave a theme for the conference, Spirit-Empowered Mission. And the challenge was to pastors prior to the convention and also after the convention at a retreat with our spouses and to the convention floor that we need the power, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit if we want to see lives transformed uh, for Christ and and this nation of Canada uh, see a revival and people come to him. And, and, and the whole focus of, of Dr. Palau's uh, messages was, was on the work of the Spirit of God. So good, good timing for me as I preach this passage in John chapter 7. Part of the convention was just so wonderful. And, uh, and uh, Dr. Palau gave invitations on numerous levels. Was um, Gord Fleming, who's the director of our church planting network, uh, which started here in British Columbia and has extended through the country as 22 different denominations are working together to multiply churches and disciples across our land from sea to sea. It's called the Sea to Sea Network, and is now reaching into the United States and expanding in, in amazing ways, and the revival is coming to this nation through Canada. Canada is poised and it's ready to bring this good news to the nations in ways that other countries are not able to. And we have such great respect among the world and the Canadian passport, said Dr. Palau, is like gold. If you have an American passport, he said, you kind of want to hide that thing, but a Canadian passport will get you anywhere. And, uh, and, and not only that, but the nations are coming to us. Our doors are wide open. And we need the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in order to see lives transformed for his glory. But um, Gord Fleming um, read a... Uh, Um, had a quote from a book from R.T. Kendall called Holy Fire, 
a balanced biblical look at the Holy Spirit's work in our lives that I want to just pass along to you this morning. In the prologue, Kendall says this, there's been a silent divorce in the church, speaking generally, between the Word and the Spirit. When there's a divorce, sometimes the children stay with the mother, sometimes with the father. In this divorce, you have those on the Word side and those on the Spirit side. What is the difference? Those on the Word side stress earnestly contending for the faith once delivered to the saints, expository preaching, sound theology, rediscovering the doctrines of the Reformation, justification by faith, the sovereignty of God. Until we get back to the word, the honor of God's name will not be restored. What's wrong with this emphasis? Nothing. It's exactly right, in my opinion, writes Kendall. Those on the spirit side stress getting back to the book of Acts. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit with places being shaken at prayer meetings, getting Peter's shadow and you're healed, lie to the Holy Spirit and you're struck dead. Until we, re we recover the power of the Spirit, the honor of God's name will not be restored. What's wrong with this emphasis? Nothing. It's exactly right, in my opinion, says Kendall. The problem is, he goes on to say, neither will learn from each other. If these two would come together, I'll get this, if these two would come together, the simultaneous combination would mean spontaneous combustion. And if Smith Wiggleworth's prophecy got it right, the world will be turned upside down again. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty to see a great work of God in your own life, in our nation, in our city? Do you long for a deep work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want to see the world starting with your world turned upside down? Well, if, if you do, it depends on whether or not streams of living water, that deep inner work of the Holy Spirit, flows from within you. And that depends on your response to Jesus' invitation this morning. So let's look at these streams of living water this morning, shall we? Um, the uh, Apostle John said, well, he recorded what Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams, plural, streams of living water will flow from within him. There are many streams of the Spirit. We are just lightly scratching the surface about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. There have been volumes written. We could spend all week talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. I've taught a course before on the Holy Spirit, and I have a binder this thick. <laughs> so we're just going to narrow it down to three streams today. Three streams. The first one is this, the stream of salvation. This is the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration in a person's life. In other words, we cannot be made alive spiritually without the Spirit of God. It starts with belief in Jesus, as Jesus said, whoever believes in me. But our life in Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit, which makes perfect sense because the Holy Spirit actually is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. They're the same. One God, three persons very, very different ministries and roles that they all play, ways that God has revealed to us. 
I, I could show you this in Acts, Romans, Galatians, Philippians, where the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And that's why Jesus said uh, that, that unless you know, I go away, unless I return to the one who, who, who sent me, um, the Spirit will not come. He had to be out of the way in order for the work, the, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take place. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant his spirit, those whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Listen, without Christ, without Christ, without his spirit, we're not just thirsty, we're dead. We're dead. And without the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, we cannot be made alive. We can't. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I actually don't know how old I was. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing I was about a teenager somewhere, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. Um, we undertook a project on the farm of rebuilding uh, a tractor. Do, do any of you know, does this ring true for any of you? Does anybody know what a McCormick Farmel A looks like? If you don't, go home and Google it. It's a pretty cool little tractor. It's a utility tractor, red, built by McCormick. A Farmall A. And it does all kinds of, all kinds of work on the farm. Not pulling big equipment on the field, but pretty much everything else. We used this tractor so much that it got to the point where it wouldn't run. My dad said, okay, we have to rebuild this because it's so valuable. So he said, I got to do a project with my boys and uh, we ripped that tractor apart and we rebuilt the engine. Had the pistons redone, new rings, like replaced everything that was worn. We put it all back together, you know, painted everything. It just looked beautiful. And uh, I, I still remember the day, you know, the last thing my dad hooks up the battery. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he pulls on the starter, and it wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. And he, 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 f he fiddled with it, and he stressed over it, and it just wouldn't go. And um, my dad was a, he's a hardworking, very, very proud man, humble in a lot of ways, but very proud. And he did not want to phone his brother, who uh, uh, was, is um, a, uh, a mechanic, heavy-duty mechanic for tractors. Said, no, I do not want to phone Uncle John. Not doing it. Finally, he had no option but to get on the phone. And it was, okay, it's what I did. It's not starting. A few questions on the phone. Nope, tried that, tried that, tried that. Uncle John said, let me come down. So that night, he got in his truck, drove from Langham to our farm, you know, east of Hepburn. It's quite a drive. And he pulls up in the yard and says hello to all of us. And he immediately heads for the tractor. And he just does one walk around, just looking. Says to my dad, give me a screwdriver. <laughs> really, a screwdriver. Give me a screwdriver. Two screws, I think, maybe four. He, he, he takes the distributor off, turns at 180 degrees, puts the distributor back on, try it again. 
comes to life. We had done everything right, but the distributor was out 180 degrees, and it would not go. And that is like the work of the Spirit. We can be in the manual. We can be doing everything right. And the Holy Spirit does this walk around in our lives as only he can. And he pinpoints the problem. And he says, all it takes is a 180. And that's the word repentance. To repent means all we do is turn. We turn from our, our sinful ways. Uh, we, we, we put to death the sinful nature. We crucify that. We, the Spirit will point out exactly what the problem is. We turn and we come to life. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Paul wrote, as for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, not the Holy Spirit, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. God's wrath, because he's a holy God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And, and, and you go on, uh, Paul continues to explain that in, in chapter 3. Uh, verses 16 and 17, he said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We cannot come alive. Christ cannot dwell in our hearts through faith um, apart from the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, if you believe from within you will, stream, uh, will flow streams of living water. And that's the spirit. Uh, back to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 to 14. Paul talks about we have redemption in Christ and through his blood that he shed and the riches of his grace and, and how he chose us and predestined us and adopted us. And he said, having believed, having believed. Jesus said, if you believe in me, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Without the seal, without the promise and the seal of the Holy Spirit, who is that depo deposit in our lives, we will not go see him who is now glorified at the right hand of the Father. We can't without the work of the Spirit. I'm going to back up in John to chapter 3. Remember I said we come back to Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a believer. And he met Jesus in a personal way. Back in John 3, we all know the famous verse, John 3.16, I think, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What precedes that? you got to back up. John 3 verse 3 in reply, Jesus declared to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. We, we have to bring that language back to the church. It's biblical. We cannot see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. 
How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Like that puts a whole new spin on, on, on Mother's Day. It's like, whew, no thank you. Once is enough. <laughs> By the way, a friend of mine gave me a really good saying. He said, he said, Alden, think about this as you read John 3. He said, if you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you die only once. Think about it as I continue to read. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he can't enter a second time to his mother's womb to be born. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, our spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. I love the way the apostle Paul emphasizes this in Titus chapter 3, verse 3. He said, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another, dead spiritually. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen? The Spirit's work of regeneration. We can't be made alive without it, without him. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who lives. Are you alive today? Is Christ in you by the power and inner working of his spirit? If not, if you can't say, yes, I'm alive spiritually, if Christ is not in you by the power of his Holy Spirit, today is the day. Jesus is inviting you. Will you respond? Today is the day. Don't harden your heart if he's speaking to you. And so at the end of this service, um, if this is you, if God is speaking to you, maybe even now, get out that card, write your name on it and, your date, and the date on it, that marker of that day when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. There's a place on the back to indicate that. And I'm going to invite you, even as the music plays at the end of the service or when the service is done and it's all quiet, for you to take this card and come bring it to me. I had four people this morning bring me cards based on other invitations as well that I'm giving this morning that I will give. But if, if God is speaking to you today and he's inviting you to drink of him so that the Holy Spirit can take up residence in your life, please respond. I'll give you opportunity at the end. Stream number two, the second stream of the Holy Spirit is sanctification. We have salvation and sanctification. This is the work of renewal, the Holy Spirit's work of renewal. In salvation, it's regeneration, bringing that which is dead to life. In sanctification, it's bringing that which is dry back to life. Here you're already a Christian. The Spirit of God is in you. You are a temple of God, but you're dry. You're, you're, like, a, you're like a plum that was left out in the sun, and now you're a spiritual prune. 
all wrinkled and shriveled up. Trust me, I've been there. I've been there. And this kind of thing ebbs and flows in our lives, and there's many reasons for it, but I want to take you this morning to Galatians chapter 5 for a bit. Galatians 5, where the apostle Paul wrote, the fruit of the Spirit is. The evidence that God's Spirit is in your life is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, the Spirit's already part of our life, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. You know, is the, have you lost your step with the Spirit? Are you dry? Is there a lack of joy, peace, gentleness, patience, etc. in your life? If there is, it, you know, I know I'm not naive enough to think, and I'm not going to put this on, in, on anyone this morning, that there may be other reasons for a lack of joy and all, peace and all that kind of stuff, like physiologically, like depression, and those kind of things that are just, you know, they're handed down to us generationally or by genetic or, or whatever, and there's help for people who struggle that way. But we can't ignore the fact that if, if, we're, if we're lacking all of these things that Paul wrote about, which is a result of his Spirit's work in our life, we have to take an inward look and say, have, is there something about me that I have not crucified? I have not crucified the sinful nature. This is the renewing, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. So if you back up to verse 16 of Galatians 5, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with one another so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then it goes on to talk about the acts of the sinful nature, which are obvious, Paul said, and he begins with sexual immorality, but he talks about other things like hatred or jealousy or selfishness, rage, factions and dissensions, people not getting along, envy, drunkenness, the list goes on and on. Is there something in your life, a gratification of the sinful nature that needs to be put to death? Is there something that needs the renewing work of the Spirit in your heart, in your life, so that streams of living water can flow once again? So that that trickle becomes a a fast-flowing stream of the Spirit in your life and in your heart. Um, Dr. Palau, he gave this challenge to us as pastors at the retreat and said, you know what, maybe this afternoon during free time you need to go sit underneath the tree by yourself with God And ask the Holy Spirit, point it out in my life what needs to be crucified. And he said, within a minute, God will show you. He will show you. He will reveal it. And then he said, deal with it. Confess it. Crucify it. It's not a matter of condemnation. In fact, 
the, the, the Spirit's work in our life and sanctification is always one of conviction. If the Holy Spirit this morning is convicting you, even as I'm talking through his word, it's a work of his Spirit. If you're being condemned and, and overcome with false guilt, that's the work of a different kind of spirit. But the Spirit of God is a, is a, is a gentleman in this area. He will bring con- deep conviction and godly guilt into your life so that you can change and experience all that his Spirit has for you today. And he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us and cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Everything impure, he will cleanse. If you, if you read it further in John, in fact, the next chapter, I'm getting a little bit ahead to whoever's preaching this one, but a woman was brought who was caught in adultery. And in all, the, the men dragged her before the Lord. And Jesus said, well, if any one of you is without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? And they started slinking away starting with the oldest because they had sinned probably more in their lives than the younger ones. They lived longer. They slunk away one by one and Jesus looked at her and he said, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. Well, then neither do I. But you know what the sin in your life is? Go and leave it. Crucify it. Follow me. That's what Jesus does. For whatever reason, Paul starts with sexual immorality. Is there someone in the room this morning who's in an adulterous relationship? Is there someone this morning who is sexually impure for through with pornography? It, it could be unbelief in your heart. It could be jealousy, kids. Maybe right now you're not appreciating the home you grew up in because you look at your friends and say, well, their parents give them that. Look at what they have over there. They're jealous. Maybe you have a problem with anger and rage. It doesn't matter what it is. Ask the Holy Spirit to identify it, but likely you know right now what it is. I want to I just talk a little bit about pornography. I'm so excited because in the last couple of months, three men in our church have come and talked to me about this issue. The Spirit has done amazing work in their lives, bringing conviction and, and I'm excited because of their response to the Spirit of God. In fact, a person I met with just this last week, it, it couldn't have been more perfect because he talked about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. And I said, hey, man, you know, like I'm going to be preaching about this on Sunday, bringing conviction, not condemnation. But, you know, two of these men said that they not only wanted and were convicted by the Spirit of God, you know, that they have to crucify this struggle because they want to be not only godly men before Jesus, but also the kind of husbands and fathers that they should be, but they also want to be qualified to serve in the church. And one of them, having been asked in the past, said, you know, like I, 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 I couldn't commit until this issue was settled in my life, and praise God, it's settled, and the joy is returned. Amen? Praise God for that. That's, that's the convicting, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Is there? I'm convinced that this issue of sanctification, particularly in the area of sexual purity, namely pornography for men, is why many men don't step up as leaders in the church. Not, not just, I'm not talking just about central, but I'm talking about the church everywhere. Where are the men? Let's deal with it. 
Let's extend grace and mercy like our Lord does to us. Let's confess, be healed, be forgiven. Let's engage. God doesn't expect perfection from your life or mine. Neither do we here at Central. We live in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we call sin for what it is. It's sin that needs to be repented of, turned from, confessed. It needs to be brought into the light of the Spirit so he can do what he needs to do so we can keep in step with him. It doesn't mean that we don't stumble once in a while while we try to walk with the Spirit. We do. I mean, heavens, if, if that were the case, we wouldn't have the 12 apostles, let alone any lead team members at Central. You know what I mean? Like, but if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, we just want to move his way. It doesn't mean we won't stumble once in a while, but our heart is to follow him and to be honest with other people and transparent. And when we keep in step with his spirit, there is no end to what he can do in us and through us. Amen? I want that joy to return to your life wherever you are, whoever you are this morning. And so what needs to happen today is you need to respond to this sanctifying stream of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to. Settle the issue today. And so I'll also invite you to bring me a card after the service. Bring it to me. Name it. Put... Put your name on here a date when the Holy Spirit renewed your life and you can experience his joy again. Put a date on there. Bring it to me. I promise to follow up with every person. Maybe not this coming week, but in following weeks, I will follow up or someone, another pastor, a, a lead team member here because we care and we want you to experience all that God has for you. I don't have time to get into it this morning, but read Psalms, two Psalms, 51 and 32, where David, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, made things right after he sinned. And just all the relief that came to him. Living in sin, Paul said in Ephesians 4, grieves the Holy Spirit. And he said, rather in chapter 5, after that thing in chapter 4, which grieves the Holy Spirit, instead be filled with the Spirit. And that's the way we do it, is just bring it out to the light. Allow God to do his work. Stream number three, very quickly today, is another work of God in our lives. The supernatural, I call it. This is the Holy Spirit's work of revival. And the progression is, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? The progression is the way it should be. When the Spirit of God does his work of regeneration, we go, we go from being dead to alive. When the Spirit of God does his work in renewal, we go from being dry to alive. When the Spirit of God does the work of revival in our hearts, we go from being detached. I don't know what other word to use. Detached, disinterested, desensitized, distracted, you name it. To being made alive and engaged in what God has for your life. That's the order. We believe in Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith. The Holy Spirit works in our lives, does that sanctifying and cleansing work. And then simultaneously, all of a sudden, we have an interest to engage, to be involved in ministry, to serve as a leader, to be on mission, to tell others about Jesus. And this is exactly the way it should be. Luke chapter 24. I just want to read real quick a little bit from Luke here. Jesus uh, said to his disciples... 
This fits so wonderfully. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. He, he told them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled, what is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in your hometown, Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Are, you, are we as a church, are you clothed with power? You see, every day we get up, we get ready for our day, we have a shower, we do whatever, and then we clothe ourselves physically every day. And we go out of our rooms and we have breakfast and we engage the world. And spiritually, it's no different. Jesus said, if you want to have power to do what I've asked you to do, to be my witnesses, to do the work of ministry even to stuff a truck. You need to be clothed with power from on high. That's the spirit of God at work in your life. The spirit is always connected to the gospel, always. We see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses starting with your neighbors in your townhouse, on your street, whatever, and it'll extend from there across the nation and to the ends of the earth. Are you clothed with that kind of power? Am I? Uh, you know, Micah, back in the Old Testament, you know, he said, the, the, the prophets, the prophets, the ones who are supposed to speak on behalf of the Lord, they lead people astray and they proclaim peace because they felt at that time that if they didn't proclaim peace, the people would rebel against them. They were chickens. And Micah said, therefore, night will come over you, darkness, not the spirit of God, without visions, without divining what God is saying. The sun will set for the prophets, the day will go dark for them, the seers will be ashamed, and the diviners disgraced. It will cover their faces because there will be no answer from God. And then Micah said, but as for me, I am filled with power, the spirit with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression to Israel, his sin. And if you are clothed with power, you will engage people who need to turn from their sin, repent and share with them the good news of Jesus. If you're not clothed with power, you will chicken out. And oh Lord, forgive us for chickening out. Forgive me. We need power. We need power. It's what Paul said to his protege, Timothy. He said, timidity is not from God. You need power. It comes from the Holy Spirit. John, Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, you will do greater things, greater things than me when I go to the Father because you'll have the Spirit. And he said, when you have the Spirit, ask me for anything in my name. If it brings glory to me, ask for anything and I will do it. Are we asking Jesus to work through us? And to do greater things than even he did while he was here. Are we asking him, do we desire that? 
If God is speaking to you in that area and you say you want to say yes to the supernatural work of God in your life to bring revival to your heart and to your community and this nation, respond with a card. Come and see me. I'll pray for you. This is what I desire. Let's conclude. We got to conclude. I'm going to invite the team to come and join me. That's going to close our service with a couple of songs. The invitation that Jesus gave in John, it divided the people. Jesus' invitation always divides people. It always will. But my question to you this morning is, which side of the divide are you on? Which side? Are you of the side who said, yes, this is the Christ. I believe what he said. Or are you you of the side who is rejecting Jesus and his work and his his speaking to you right now? And I want to tell you... um, You can decide right now which side of that divide you're on or he will decide for you later when you have no choice. That's what Matthew 22 tells us. He said, when Jesus returns in all of his glory, he will separate. There will be a division between the sheep and the goats. And you know what marked the goats? It's those who wouldn't get involved in any kind of ministry according to what Jesus was saying. They didn't feed people. Like, I mean, this stuff a truck is important stuff. They didn't visit the sick. They didn't visit, you know, they weren't compassionate. There was no evidence of the spirit in their lives. There was no evidence. And he divided them. Don't wait for the day when Jesus will divide. Make your choice now. Will you, if you feel dead, come to Christ and he will regenerate you with the his Holy Spirit. If you feel dry, come to Jesus confessing whatever it is and he will renew and give you your joy back as he sanctifies you. Are you feeling detached and disinterested? Say to Jesus, I want the reviving supernatural work of the Spirit in my life so I can engage in what you have for me. Fill out the card. As the team sings, you can go visit a prayer partner. They're going to be stationed everywhere. You can, maybe you don't know. Get, get them to pray with you to discern this, okay? Fill out the card. Bring it to me. You can bring it while the music is playing. You can bring it after when it's just quiet, me and you, to talk. Maybe you need to take your card, go visit the tree this afternoon. You and God alone. But I want to see that card. I want to know what your decision is. I want to pray for you and I want to encourage you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your invitation. I thank you that you desire above all that streams of living water would flow from within us. And so God, where they're not flowing, would you make them flow this morning? I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and do this work. Now, we need you so much. And we thank you that you're a gracious, merciful, compassionate, forgiving God who just loves us so much and wants to see us overflow with living water, with springs of water. Would you do that work this morning, Jesus? We prayed in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.